So as I said at the top, this is probably uh, not how you expected to go to church, and I don't know that I have ever had the uh, expectation that this would be uh, a situation in which I had the privilege to preach or to talk from. Uh, and considering kind of like the unusual circumstances, both within this room and with what's going on more broadly, I'm hopefully going to do this a little more casually and off the cuff, speak to you a little more direct directly, and uh, I hope it, it is coherent in that. Our readings today, along with the Collect, all emphasize in some way the theme of rest. Even the reading from Romans chapter 1 that has that very dark picture of kind of chaos, of life without the knowledge of God. There's a contrast there, a life of rest, a life of praising God, engaging with him. In a time with uh, work, with orders to work from home, that might seem timely, a theme of rest. Uh, on the other hand, our days are filled with social media updates and rapidly changing information, and so it doesn't feel probably particularly restful. The collect we prayed specifically references this famous quote from St. Augustine, that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. That suggests that we can find rest even in the midst of trying and frenetic circumstances. In the midst of a pandemic, one might be at rest. The rest that Augustine and our scripture readings refer to is something internal, a disposition of the heart, of the very core of our being, a sense of rootedness or calm from which one can live and, and move in kindness and goodness faithfully. This rest comes from entrusting ourselves to God. It doesn't necessarily mean an absence of effort or even action, and it doesn't require circumstances of calm. Think of Jesus sleeping in the boat in the midst of the storm, a rest from which he is able to rise and respond, rooted, secure, at rest. Richard Foster has written that Christians are called not to rest from work, but to work from rest, to be active from a place of restfulness in God trusting who he is and what he has done for us. We engage a hurting and sick world. We practice our vocations. We deal with various situations as they come from a place of nearness to God and trusting ourselves to him, our footing found in his love and obedience. I want to suggest to you in these extraordinary times and in times that very well seem likely to become more extraordinary, even more difficult in the days and weeks ahead. The resources we require to live faithfully and well will be found only in this, the rest that God provides. So in addition to the, the regular washing of your hands, the practices of social distance, I want to implore you to find ways to root yourself in the love of God, in the reality of what he's done and the rest we find there. Consider just as essential as any other practice those that make you aware of God's nearness and abundance. Find ways to draw near to God and find your rest in him. The psalm we just prayed today or spoke together, Psalm 95, calls us to praise. 
to the worship of the Lord as one such practice. That practice, it connects to our entrance into the rest that God has for us. And not just any kind of praise, but exuberant and even physical worship. At the best of times, we can find praise a difficult thing, can't we? An older priest once commented to me that the way we often do church suggests that we think the 11th commandment is thou shall not be tacky. And that precludes exuberant, enthusiastic expressions of praise often. Praise and worship can be difficult for us in simple times, let alone in the middle of a pandemic. But the opening verses of Psalm 95, even the reading from Romans chapter 1, call the people of God, call us to sing and shout out the praises of God, to celebrate the God of Israel with enthusiasm forever, even in times such as these. C.S. Lewis has written that the world rings with praise. Praise for movies and books, praise for good music and good food, art and architecture, praise for a job well done. The praise of things we find admirable. We don't question the value and importance of such praise. And we praise God, he suggests, with enthusiasm for the same reason, because he is admirable, worthy of praise in what he does, and in who he is. A few years ago, I was riding my bike in the bike lane on Manor Road, and I was very nearly hit by this pickup truck edging out from a side street that just didn't see me. It was the closest call I've ever had on a bike. And as the truck got nearest to me and I thought for sure it was going to hit me, I unconsciously, instinctually shouted out, kind of an ah, it was not a particularly effective response. But it was involuntary. It came from within me because of this encounter. So in its own way, it was appropriate. The praise the psalmist calls for is a similarly appropriate reaction to an encounter with God. It rises forth from us out of an awareness of his admirable qualities and wondrous deeds. Psalm 95 specifically identifies a couple of qualities of God as reasons for praise, qualities, uh, things about God that seem particularly important in this time. He's to be praised because he's a maker and creator, because he's sovereign, a great king, and because he's our shepherd. Good promises for a time such as this. God is creator or maker and so to be praised because of the works of his hands. One of the most basic convictions of the Christian faith is that God as creator is separate from what he makes from his creation. He is distinct. He isn't the same as the world or any created thing, just stronger. And nor does he need or require anything he has made. God doesn't create because of some lack or need in him. He's totally distinct and sufficient in himself. Instead, he creates out of his love and generosity. All of creation 
is purely a gift. The giftedness of creation, of reality and time, your existence and mine, all our days, even these days, are a gift of God, a product of his generosity and abundant love given to us. God did not need your life to exist, but chose that you would. Pure gift, each and every one of us, each and every one of our days. Now, that doesn't mean our, our lives, our reality are entirely good, obviously. I mean, look around, right? But it does mean that we begin from. We, we begin rooted in a baseline a foundation of God's generosity and love, the giftedness of all things. Have you seen some of the videos coming out of Italy? In the middle of incredible suffering and terribly challenging conditions, there are videos of people, whole apartment blocks organized in song from each window. Videos of people playing the, the tambourine and drums in rhythm together from their individual balconies an opera singer serenading from her rooftop. There is something of this sense, the giftedness, that all things, all our days are a gift in these beautifully human actions. The people doing such things aren't blind to what's going on. They're not denying reality. But they are, even in some small way, living out of this sense of giftedness, living into this sense of giftedness. God is the one who has given us the gift of creation. Such gifts. Look around your home, at the things you possess, at the people you might be with, the relationships you have. Consider them. Consider the days you've had. Great gifts. He is worthy of praise who has given them to us. A second reason given to praise, even in a pandemic, in Psalm 95, is God's sovereignty. The Lord is a great God, the great king above all gods. Sovereign over it all. The idea, especially in verses 4 and 5, is that nothing is outside the Lord's control. The heights of the hills, as as well as the depths, those dark and unknown places. Even among what is unexplored and unknown, undiscovered and unmapped, lands and viruses, God is sovereign. The dry land, as well as the sea, that chaotic place of constant motion where people are buffeted by the changes and chances of life and so easily lost. There too, God reigns and rules. It is in his hand. Our bishop loves to say this, and I can't think of a a better situation in which to rip it off, but God is not surprised by COVID-19 or the coronavirus. He's not caught unaware by the WHO's declaration of a pandemic or even the difficulties with testing in the United States. I think Wednesday night is when much of all this shifted in public consciousness here in America. But it's not as though God was about to watch the thunder and jazz on TNT 
that evening and was like, wait a minute, the NBA season has been suspended. And it's not as though then he went to Instagram and was like, and even Tom Hanks has it now too. That was me. That was my reaction. But God was not, is not, and will not be surprised. However, this continues to unfold. God remains sovereign. Hold firmly to this truth. It is essential. A great king above all gods, above all powers. Of course, that raises all kinds of questions, I'm sure you can imagine, especially in times like this. Questions about God's plans, about human suffering. Questions, ultimately, about whether or not God is good and can be trusted. This is very much what the Israelites are struggling with in Exodus 17. With that particular question, the, the trustworthiness of God, Psalm 95 is unequivocal. The psalmist points us to God's identity as our good shepherd. That God is sovereign, that he reigns and rules as good because he is our maker, our God. And we are the flock under his care. The psalm calls us to worship as a means of entering into the presence of God moving into relationship with him as we put our bodies into postures of praise, as we enter in, in a, with enthusiasm, singing the psalms and songs of his excellence. We enter into our, his presence and he is our rest. In his presence, we find the care, the refuge, all that we need. Whatever the circumstance, however life might yet unfold, whoever and wherever we are. Psalm 23 is actually the psalm for next week. But even now, this promise of a good shepherd, that we are not alone in social isolation, distanced from one another, Rather, even there, we remain under the care of he who watches over us. That promise, even now, is so very good. This is the one who is taking care of you, who is good in every sense of the word, in character and competence. He can be trusted. And he will shepherd us. He will guide us to streams of living water and is so very worthy of our praise. For Lent, I've been reading from this book called My Sour Sweet Days. And if we were at the Phillips Event Center this morning and you had your bulletin in front of you, you would have seen the quote printed there from one of the poems by George Herbert. This is a collection of his writings. At the, the very last stanza of a poem that he wrote called Evensong reads like this. My God, thou art all love. Not one poor minute escapes thy breast, but brings a favor from above. And in this love, more than in bed, I rest. 
more than in a stacked pantry, more than in all the toilet paper you need, more than in any earthly circumstance. Our rest is found here in the love of God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. He is the one in whom we find our rest. In our gospel reading, Jesus, the good shepherd, offers the Samaritan woman living water. He invites her out of an insecure situation, an insecure life, across ethnic and cultural boundaries. He bids her come into the experience of life-giving water, into abundance. In him, her needs are met. There's rest. And from there, as the story goes on, in John 4, in this beautiful inversion of a virus's spread, she goes and gets her neighbors. She brings them to the same source, the same living water. One writer has titled our gospel reading, The Woman Who Became a Well. Not just enough to satisfy herself, but to overflowing. This is what happens when the good shepherd guides us, even in trying times. He leads us to rest, to streams, such that not only do we have enough, no lack, no scarcity, but abundance for others. This is the one to whom we are called. This is what he offers to us, even today. So praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him as you wash your hands. Praise him at noon. Praise him in the evening. Praise him in sickness. Praise him in health. Praise him in boredom and isolation. At all times, in every place, praise the Lord, creator and maker, the great king, our good shepherd. Just as a way of closing in the, as best you're able in the stillness and silence of your home, I wonder if we might just pause for a minute and out loud name some of the praises of God. Praise him for who he is and what he's done. We praise you, O Lord, as creator and maker, our maker. We praise you as great king above all other kings. We praise you as shepherd. Amen.